the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get to uh, the very first guest that we have every Thursday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's going to be J.R. Davis, of course, spokesman for the governor's office. We've got a lot of things to cover. First thing I want to do is talk a little bit about uh, yesterday. Uh, As you know, you were listening in last hour. We had Attorney General Jeff Sessions on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And as I was talking to him about their visit there at Lake Hamilton, uh, we got talking about the governor and uh, Jeff Sessions and the governor are personal friends. They've known each other for about 30 years, evidently, because they both got started during the Reagan uh, administration. And he had nothing but good things to say about the governor, and he was very, very pleased and how the governor has been handling working on safety at the schools. Yeah, they go way back. Uh, as you mentioned, both serve as U.S. attorneys uh, under Reagan. Uh, governor, they were joking yesterday about it. The governor said, you know, uh, actually uh, the attorney general was talking a little bit about the governor to the press and said that, you know, he was appointed the youngest U.S. attorney in the nation at the time uh, under Reagan. And uh, Sessions joked about, you know, he wasn't that far removed from being the youngest. <laughs> so they go way back. And uh, uh, it was funny to watch him interact. You know, the governor always talks about uh, the attorney general and his close relationship with him. And so they served together as U.S. attorneys, but they also served together in Congress. The governor was in the House when um, they actually both got into Congress around the same time, the Sessions in the Senate, um, Asa in, in the House. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, during the impeachment trials and everything sort of like that. But um, yeah, they've they've stayed close, and so it was kind of fun to watch old colleagues uh, cut up with each other yesterday before getting to the serious matters of school safety, and um, and obviously they're both in tune with with what uh, you know this country faces, and also what our state faces, and what we've done to really try to uh, be proactive to prevent those attacks. Pretty interesting to listen to uh, the the uh, AG talk yesterday uh, about. Here being here in central Arkansas, meeting with everybody there at Lake Hamilton. Uh, my first question was how it's uh, you know how how the talk go, what was pulled out of it that you felt uh, can be used in other places in the United States mm-hmm. and things. And he says, you know, you're asking this question just like everybody down in Lake Hamilton was answering the question, just kind of laid back and no big deal. Yeah. And I said, well. It, Guns are no big deal. He says, "Tell that to people on the East Coast." <laughs> he was yeah. really, he was really good. He was very relaxed on the good. air with us, and you know how he tends to stumble a lot of times when he's he's speaking. He's not the most eloquent guy, but he's a very honest and straight up kind of guy. And uh, but he was smooth as silk yesterday. He did really good. They must have gave him a piece of watermelon or something down there like <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah. He was doing he was doing a great job. He really, really was. Well, it was a great event, uh, and I know we, uh, speaking for the governor, just very excited to have the administration choose Arkansas as one of, I think there are three stops uh, they're doing around different states, um, especially in the uh, Lake Hamilton uh, 
area. So it was a, it was a good event. We had representatives from HHS there. We had the secretary of uh, deputy secretary of education and Mick Zace. Um, was there uh, Homeland Security representative? So and Nielsen I mean, was there, wasn't she? Uh, actually, it was uh, it was a representative of Homeland Security. Uh, Secretary Nielsen couldn't be there. Oh, okay. Um, but I know was, DeVos was supposed to be there, and she, and she couldn't, couldn't make, make it. it. Yeah, she had a, a, a schedule cl- conflict came up at the last minute, but it was great. I think uh, Deputy Secretary Zace uh, had some good things to say. Uh, he has a remarkable background, uh, thirty years and. I think this at the army, and uh, and like another ten years as a president of a uh, small college in South Carolina, and then uh, he he told us an interesting story that he came in, he won the um, uh, superintendent, the state superintendent um, election in South Carolina uh, around the same time that Nikki Haley was running for governor and Tim Scott was running for wow. the house and uh, Gowdy, and so it was just funny him talking about all you know. He kind of came in with that class, what a crew. If you will. yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, but no, they were well represented, and uh, the attorney general did a nice job. Uh, of course, uh, the governor got to talk about what we're doing here on the state's front with the school safety commission. Dr. Cheryl uh, May, uh, who is the chairman of the school safety commission, was there to kind of talk about the report. So I think it was really substantive as far as you know what we're doing here, what the nation can take from what Arkansas is doing. And people got to remember, too, that the governor led the effort uh, nationally after the tragedy at Sandy Hook uh, for the NRA was the National School Shield Program. Um, And so this is sort of the second bite of the apple, but more locally focused here in Arkansas. And man, Dave, we have seen a tremendous response from school districts because what we've said is, Look, we don't want to. We don't. We don't believe in unfunded mandates. We, you know that every school district's different, and so you got to do what's best for your students and for your budget. Um, but we did make a lot of recommendations uh, from the commission, and what we've seen from school districts all over Arkansas is that they're responding. Um, there was a story in the paper uh, this week with the BB School District, basically saying that uh, uh, this next year they're going to have substations, and I think it was a former. A room or office where they had uh, in-school suspension and so they're moving that to the high school campus and so on i believe it's the junior high campus they're going to have this substation there where uh, police officers from the bb police can come in and and do their you know paperwork and stuff there right. but there's more of a presence uh, bentonville is doing something similar to that i mean you go on and on as far as what school districts are doing across the state responding uh, to this call from the governor and i just think that speaks volumes to um, you know the the you know discretion we're giving school districts, but knowing that we've got to do something to protect our students and be proactive before something like this happens. So well, it's really great. Schools here in Arkansas are, are completely different from other schools in right. Arkansas. I mean, look if you're up in 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 uh, I don't know up there by U of A or whatever up in Fayetteville, or you're here in in Little Rock, that's one thing. But if you're like Lake Hamilton. And you're out kind of in a rural area, and the attorney general brought this up. He said they understood they had to do something different. Now, they started having guns on campus uh, and identifying people there in that school system who could handle those Mm -hmm. weapons uh, right after the Jonesboro shooting, which was 1998, 20 years ago. So nobody, no big deal. You don't hear people raising a ruckus about it or any or anything and the uh, the attorney general said probably the reason being is that they know that the closest sheriff probably or deputy they have is 20 minutes away absolutely 
and you see that a lot across the state of Arkansas. There are for every, you know, bigger urban area in the state, there are so many more rural areas and school districts where they may not be close uh, to the nearest sheriff's office or police department. Um, and so they have to be able to take some of those matters into their own hands. And you may have a rural school that doesn't have necessarily a big budget, but has a bigger campus, mm-hmm. may have consolidated with a junior high and high school, and it's just a, a little bit bigger campus area. So one school resource officer, while that's great, it's all about what the governor's talked about in that layered security. So when people, you know, when you have uh, a would-be attacker or someone coming to that school and they see police cars outside, they see police presence, they know that there are uh, faculty there on campus that may be carrying and have been trained to do so. I mean, that's a deterrent. And, and I don't, you know, no matter the argument on, on those who maybe oppose this, you can't argue the fact that that's a deterrent for people to go in and, and try to do something like that at a school. So we've always said that school teachers should absolutely not be forced to carry a weapon. That's not what they went to school to do. But if there is someone with a background and someone who's comfortable with that and wants to be trained, that should excuse me, that should be an option for them to do so. I I agree wholeheartedly (laughs) with that. And uh, the Attorney General was very, very uh, taken by all the thought that had gone on in their way of protecting their school buildings. And uh, they had their, you know, their SOPs all put together and everybody was aware of them. Everybody knew what they were supposed to do at any given time. And that's what every school... Uh, district is going to have to do or every school specifically yeah somebody else that the uh, attorney general mentioned and i was glad to hear him bring his name up was uh, cody highland yeah he was uh, saying really good thing he, he said i i now i'm i'm taking a shot at this i'm not sure if i got this right but i think he said arrests and convictions are up by 62 percent under him yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that was really important to get someone like Cody in that position. And I know, obviously, the way Washington is, sometimes it takes a little yeah, bit. It is but it's him. all about getting good people in those positions. And and uh, the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District in Cody Island is is doing a fantastic job. And then, you know, most recently uh, we had Dak Keys, uh, who was sworn in as the um, – uh, U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Arkansas, and that's what the that's where the governor was as mm-hmm. far as uh, U.S. Attorney role, and um, and the governor, in fact, just went to the investiture there of Dak Key. So we've got two outstanding U.S. attorneys in the state of Arkansas. They were both there yesterday, um, and it was just it's a you know kind of a proud moment when you have the Attorney General come and you've got guys like Cody Highland and Dak Keys up there that are representing the state, and it's a. Uh, it was a good day. I'm trying to think. If he was standing up there by by Cody, the attorney general had to look kind of short, didn't he? <laughs> I'm just thinking. I mean, uh, yeah. he's tall, man. Uh, he is tall. I mean, hey, the governor's... Not Sessions. Cody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the governor's 6'3", so yeah. it's... Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of discrepancy there, but they're, uh, they, uh, it was it was a great conversation, and it was very... You know, before they walked out, and we were sort of backstage, if you will, with... Uh, the governor and the attorney general and uh, some of the administration officials, you know, the governor just told us that, look, we're very informal, you know, let's have an informal conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's get it out there and let's talk. And, um, and that's what you saw uh, yesterday. It lasted for a long time. Everybody got a chance to say something. It was a conversation uh, in every sense of the word. Um, and I think it was uh, a proud moment for Arkansas because we had a lot to bring to the table. 
And I think the uh, I think uh, this administration especially looks at Arkansas and sees uh, what we're doing, uh, what the governor's doing, and how they can maybe tailor something nationally to what Arkansas is doing. Well, I got to tell you, I think that the state made a very big impression on the attorney general yesterday. I really do. Good. That's that's great to hear. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Don't forget that there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits. 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook and the Social Security Administration has been ordered by the government to, uh, they're, for, they're forbidden to offer you any personalized advice about how you should claim your Social Security. So basically, you're out there flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, it's no wonder that uh, as much as $10 billion a year goes unclaimed. Probably people don't know what they got to claim. Uh, remember that David Lucas, uh, the David Lucas show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, uh, on Saturdays from 10 a.m. until 11, and then again from uh, 3 to 4, uh, is out there helping people with this matter. Now you can learn how you could uh, wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits by getting a 2018 guide to Social Security absolutely free. All you have to do to get this free guide is to call 501-653-6690. You don't want to leave any money, especially thousands of dollars of money on the table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. That's 501-653-6690 or davidlucasfinancial.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about a new a uh, state police lab that's going to be up in the northwest area of uh, Arkansas. We'll talk about that and a whole lot of big numbers that are about big programs here in the state. All right, our guest is J.R. Davis. He's the spokesman for the governor's office. He'll be with us for the hour. So a uh, new topic. We've been speaking about the uh, attorney general's visit, attorney general sessions, the uh, Attorney General at the Department of Justice. Uh, he was here in Arkansas yesterday. Let's talk about something that I knew was coming uh, last week, but we couldn't talk about it because there was going to be yep. an announcement about it. And that is uh, the state police lab that is opening up in northwest uh, Arkansas. Can you talk? You can talk about it now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh it was a big announcement, um, something we've been working on for a while. Uh, this has really been a priority for Governor Hutchinson um, in establishing a Northwest Arkansas crime lab. This was the third crime lab statewide. There's a There was a satellite office uh, established in Hope back in 2004 um, that uh, did some uh, work as far as analyzing evidence in criminal cases. Uh, but this is huge for a number of reasons for the entire state. Right now, there's there's a bottleneck at the state crime lab here in Little Rock okay. because there's so uh, you know much uh, evidence coming down from Northwest Arkansas, especially. And if you look at the statistics here, nearly forty percent of the state's drug and toxicology cases originate from Northwest Arkansas. So when you have all of those cases coming down to Little Rock, and you're having those chemists and um, and lab folks there examining all that stuff, there tends to be a pretty big bottleneck of, of uh, other cases they have to get to, some of which are obviously um, uh, when you're doing an autopsy report, which they'll still do in Little Rock. They won't do that in Northwest Arkansas. That'll be more toxicology and substance abuse, controlled substances, that sort of thing. Um, but this will free up the lab here in Little Rock to do some of these other 
uh, cases that they've got to get to. And another issue of it, too, if you look at it from just a waste of time and wasted resources, every single time uh, there's something up in northwest Arkansas with uh, those toxicology reports, they have to take basically a day off, drive all the way down to Little Rock, drop those off, drive all the way back to northwest Arkansas, and then the chemists would have to come back to Little Rock uh, or the chemists would have to drive from Little Rock uh, to northwest Arkansas uh, to testify in cases. So basically you're taking oh, wow. people completely out of, of their work day just for travel purposes. Which means you fall behind even more. Which means you, tr- you fall behind. So when you have nearly 40% of these toxicology cases coming from northwest Arkansas, now that they actually get to starting March 1 when this becomes operational, they'll be able to stay up there. Uh, handle those cases out of northwest Arkansas, which is one of the bigger population hubs in, in Arkansas, as, as you know. Um, and they'll be able to have chemists there that can testify in cases. So you're not taking people out of their uh, job or, or losing personnel for a full day. That could mean police officers, whoever they have um, running that stuff down there, really puts a strain on resources. So this is a huge deal for a number of reasons, but it will absolutely help with the backlog here in Little Rock. And it gives uh, Northwest Arkansas uh, an opportunity to tap into a resource there and not have to come all the way to Little Rock to do it. Was it, uh, you know, the the state police who mentioned that they thought that you all needed this specifically? Well, this is something that the governor um, had talked about before he was even elected. And I think he, he realized that he's from Northwest Arkansas he, and he has a um, background in law enforcement, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that he knew was a need for a long time. Um, and, and then when you started seeing the, the backlog, uh, you know, continuing to increase here in, um, in Little Rock and, and no fault of their own, it's just obviously you're getting so many cases. And as population moves into Northwest Arkansas, those cases start to multiply. So they're, they're trying to keep up with everything coming in from South Arkansas, the East and West, and of course, Northeast, Northwest. This is really going to alleviate, um, that backlog there and so yeah the governor this is something that he knew needed to happen and it's something we've been working on for some time so uh he's allocated they've tried to find the money they found the money and they're allocating some funds to go up there to help with uh the finishing up of uh the ten thousand square foot facility up there all right so they found the money to run it and to keep it running and things of of that nature I mean, it's going yeah. to be a line item in the budget. Is that what? Well, this happen? yeah, this will be part of the. But so the to back up a little bit, uh, the state police are in the middle uh, of building um, a new state police headquarters up there at Troop L in okay. L, in the um, Lowell area, um, and so the back. So the front part of it will be all state police. If you go to the back of the building, that's where the state crime lab will be. Uh, and it's just, if you want to use the term user-friendly, um, if you do have someone from around the northwest Arkansas area who has to drop off evidence, they have these two vestibules. You can go up there, you drop them off, and it goes right into uh, the lab. They do all their analyzing of that, and then they can get stuff back a lot quicker than what the current rate is. Um, so that's that's a huge, huge help for law enforcement across the entire state, um, but especially in Little Rock and northwest Arkansas. I, uh, I, I knew a guy who worked at the uh, crime lab, and uh, I, my, my name for him, you know, you always get nicknames depending on different things. Yeah. We called him Grissom. Grissom. <laughs> like from CSI. And, I like uh, it. Yeah, he, he used to say when I'd say that to him, he says, I only wish our crime lab could solve things as fast as they can oh man i'm telling you and you know it really is i mean when you watch those shows they're working on one thing right that's exactly right <laughs> uh but in in this case 
um, man, if, if, you know, and no one really knows uh, as far as if, if you don't understand what's going on, obviously it's out of sight, out of mind. But when you have, you know, one crime lab in the state, you do have a satellite in hope. But when you have really sort of the concentration uh, of this, you know, analyzation of, of evidence and toxicology reports and autopsies, I mean, you're talking about new cases coming in every single day. Yeah. And so they're working as fast as they possibly can. Uh, without some of the manpower that they need. And so now opening this up to northwest Arkansas, again, uh, the second largest population center in in the state and growing every single day. I think it's 26 people a day in northwest Arkansas. This will really, really help uh, them move faster in some of these uh, analyzation processes. All right. A lot of things go on in the state of Arkansas, and it's because I've had people say to me, I listened to the, the segment that you have with JR, Dave, and it's amazing how many things are going on in the state. And you're right, there are a lot of things going on in the state. And that's why we do the hour that we're doing. Uh, the, you know, the governor is happy to send his representative over, and once in a while he comes over himself and, and talks about what's going on in our state. And there is this new, I guess, uh, teaching program or getting people ready for jobs program uh, that they got going up in Springdale and we we wanted to talk about that a little bit because it's a it's a real positive thing happening and I'll turn it over to you uh, JR to give everybody kind of a hear about this yeah absolutely well let's start off by kind of talking about the general workforce in Arkansas I've talked about this at exhaustion I know on your show and um, that's really been a focus of the governor. We always talk about jobs, but you know how you get jobs to the state is to have an attractive workforce. We have a 3.8% unemployment rate right now, which is one of the lowest in the country, uh, 0.2 percentage, per, uh, percentage points below the national average. So we have a low unemployment, but we also want to churn out the workforce and have a workforce that is uh, the envy of the rest of the country. And that's a good how, workforce yep, that makes good money. That makes good money. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of it. We talk about building the workforce and creating new jobs, but the pay and the wages of these new jobs coming into Arkansas are are huge. Um, and so we're making uh, we're we're making strides in that area. But when you talk about um, you know, kind of secondary education. We, the governor, we, we have a new productivity funding model. We want to make sure that the emphasis is based on students' progression at universities versus just enrollment numbers. But we also know that college isn't for everyone. That's right. Um, and it shouldn't be. Uh, and, and, and a lot of people don't like it. And so this is another way uh, for folks to get skills training, to get out and get a good job, maybe go off on their own and start their own company. Uh, which is what we've seen in some cases like this. But getting to a, the announcement uh, earlier this week at Northwest Technical Institute, uh, it's a vocational uh, school. Um, this is uh, uh, one of the few schools as far as it hasn't been merged. It's a standalone. Okay. It's uh, it's really growing up there. But sometimes it's it's you know you're churning these students out and having to turn some away because you don't have the facilities or the staff in order to. Um, uh, teach uh, these folks coming in this this new um, man. My phone's blowing up, Dave. I'm sorry, uh, but anyway, to they teach had questions exactly to teach uh, uh, these folks these uh, new skills. So basically, what the announcement was is 
a $3.5 million expansion to the ammonia refrigeration program at Northwest Technical Institute. Right now, they have about 14 students a semester. Mm-hmm. This is going to more than triple that capacity. Wow. Uh, and Tyson is one of the uh, major partners in this public-private partnership with the state and Northwest Technical Institute. Uh, they estimate that about 45% of their current employees uh, in the fields of uh, ammonia refrigeration uh, are near retirement age. That means they've got to hire a whole lot of new employees in the coming years, and usually they'd go out of state to do that because we may not have that sort of or the amount of workforce that they can tap into uh, to fill those jobs. So instead of doing that, we said, hey, how can we how can we get this workforce prepared knowing what you see coming? Uh, and so we're, we're partnering with Tyson and Northwest Technical Institute um, to help expand this program to near triple capacity. Uh, and now uh, Tyson will be able to just hire these folks as soon as they get the certification, come straight over and get a well-paying uh, job at Tyson right there in Springdale. So Yeah, we've seen this uh, in other places. I mean, uh, the oil company that's down uh, down south in the state who's you know helping to pay for kids' college and things of that nature. Over in Clarksville, I believe it is, uh, one of the natural gas companies uh, – helps to pay the tuition and costs of going to college uh, there in Clarksville, and they learn how to work in the natural gas fields here in the state. Uh, That's slowed down a little bit, but it's going to pick up again because, you know, the United States and the EU are working now uh, about, uh, you know, liquefied natural gas. Mm -hmm. That means our natural gas fields are going to get tapped even more than they have been in the past. Prices are going to go up. More people are going to be employed by them. It's just it, that's a win-win situation. I like to see when the companies that are in Arkansas are helping to train the workers that can come right out of these universities and walk right into a job. It's so smart if a state can you know have those relationships with the private sector and say, okay, where do you see your biggest need coming in the next few years? Uh, and in this case, Tyson, and it was actually. Uh, you know, 17 private industry partners, but Tyson was the lead gift in this expansion. And it makes sense for them to invest in these programs because they can, they know where these workers are coming from in the future. It sort of, you know, calms the waters a little bit. Um, But when you can partner with these private sector industries and say, okay, what can we do to help you grow and get people jobs? And this is a perfect example of that. Uh, Like I said before, Northwest Technical Institute has been growing. They continue to grow, but sometimes it's about those resources. And sometimes you're you're kind of, you're outpacing (laughs) what you have Mm -hmm. uh, to... um, provide to the community there so that's what tyson these these other industry partners looked at and said hey we want to help we, we, this benefits everybody uh, and the governor was more than happy to uh, help out uh, from the state's um, perspective as well um, and so it truly is in every sense of the phrase a public private partnership that will benefit greatly northwest arkansas and and several industry partners from around the state so how many people do they believe now they'll be graduating for the rest of the year well, like I said before, I think it's between 14 and 17 they currently have a semester. Right. Uh, and this uh, $3.5 million expansion will triple the capacity. Um, so I'm not sure if that means triple the amount of students. I it's would think so. about 52. Yeah. So, but when you're having, you know, you know, every semester churning these folks out, that really becomes a pipeline uh, for places like uh, Tyson to be able to tap into. And you know what's great about it for Tyson? It's going to be, I bet you it's Tyson's people that are train them. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, this isn't the first so time. you know we've, they know it. Right. Absolutely. Baldor Electric in Fort Smith, which uh, uh, this was a while ago, but the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, they uh, built the Baldor Technology Center, which was their equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they trained the students there, uh, non-traditional students and students uh, coming in from high school on their equipment. And it's a pipeline for them to be able to say, hey, absolute, when you get out of here, we've got a job for you. In fact, this is how incredible it is for those who may not quite believe it. Right now in the program at uh, Northwest Technical Institute, uh, 92% of their graduates get a job with Tyson after they graduate. I mean, you're basically saying that's that's where you can follow the money. You can say, I'm going to pay for this certification, and I know that I'm immediately going to have a job waiting for me. That's huge. That's huge, huge, huge for the economy of Arkansas and especially Northwest Arkansas. So that's what we're uh, that's what the governor's really focusing on. Uh, we're trying to build the workforce from a lot of different angles, yep. but this is certainly one that makes a lot of sense, uh, and you get a lot of partners because it benefits everybody. Gotcha. All right, our guest J.R. Davis. We got another break. We got to get into when we come back. Stick around. Big numbers from DHS coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. uh, We were just getting ready to come back, and uh, my guest looked at me with this look in his eyes, wild, crazy, (laughs) (laughs) said, I misspoke myself. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you the chance. You got the chance to get things right. Go, go I ahead. wish I got that on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, no, I just wanted to clarify. We talked about some of the positions there, and I think it's important to really explain how important this ammonia refrigeration training center is. It's one okay. of, It would be one of only a handful in the country. Uh, with an accredited program. No, oh, cool. Um, and so when I talk about these industry partners are coming together, this thing's going to be state of the art. It's going to have the newest uh, machinery to really help train folks in it. And you talk to Tyson execs, and they basically say, look, we're having to hire people and then train them when they get here. They won't have to do that anymore. I, I said uh, a semester, it's about an 11-month program. But with this uh, uh, new expansion, they'll be able to train 75 people. Oh, instead wow. of the 12 to 14 that they're currently doing. So this, so this that's about 25 more people than we thought. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to make sure I came back and said that. But, yeah. but and, and so to put that in perspective, in the 175 or 150-mile radius of northwest Arkansas, there are 75 open positions in ammonia refrigeration right now. So that just kind of talks about you know the the demand for this field. And if you talk to uh, Dr. Robertson there at Northwest Technical Institute, he'll tell you that this new facility will help them recruit not just in Arkansas, not just nationally, but internationally, because these jobs are are so in demand in the manufacturing uh, in, or in the industrial field um, that that people want training in this, and they'll have to come here to, to Arkansas to do yeah, it. I ain't so, worried about them. I'm worried about Arkansans. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You know? But but it brings. I mean, we're talking. We can fill the positions. Like I said before, we have those open seventy five positions right now, and that which is crazy to think that. And basically, every two miles, there's an open position for ammonia refrigeration in Northwest Arkansas. Once they get this up and running, they break ground in January. Um, they're going to be able to churn uh, these workers out, and it's going to benefit cool. everybody. Yeah, very, it's going to be very, cool. very cool. So it's another uh, feather in the cap for Arkansas. Nothing very, very better cool. than to start off in the workforce with a job that you figure you get to stay at it for about as long as you want to stay at it. Yeah, it's interesting. I talked business did an article about this and interviewed um, the head of the ammonia refrigeration department there at Tyson. Doesn't sound real and, sexy, but it pays but well. But hey, he's been, he was the, I think they said he was uh, in the inaugural class of graduates for the ammonia refrigeration program at, at the time, NTI, and now he's been there since 1998. 
Wow. I mean, so you talk about good paying jobs years. with an opportunity for uh, to move up. Uh, and also just, you know, job security. Uh, yeah. That's that's very, very important uh, to an emerging economy, uh, something that we've got going on here in Arkansas. It's it's very exciting. So I just wanted to make sure I got that in there that's before. Good. I was shortchanging them about 25 positions. And that's good so. for Tyson, too. Yeah. Not so good for the chickens, but really good for Tyson. <laughs> Not just good saying. for the chickens, yeah. All right. We're, uh, we're looking at 10 minutes till. I, I wanted to get with JR and talk about this last story. I wanted it to be last because it's a big story. It's big. Turn it over to you. Really, really big. The, the, I'm surprised the governor's not standing behind you beating his chest right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I know. He, he certainly uh, would be if his schedule wasn't packed today. But he, uh, the uh, announcement came earlier this week. DHS, they, they released their um, Medicaid transformation savings scorecard and quarterly report every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically kind of shows uh, the, the growth in spending or – um, you know, the amount of folks that are on uh, Arkansas Works and that sort of thing. Uh, this quarterly report showed total spending for all Medicaid in Arkansas is $22 million lower than the fiscal year last year. Okay. That's incredible. So we're, we're, it's lower this next year than it was in 2017, uh, which is historic in the state, but also year-over-year uh, year spending in Medicaid has been held to zero growth in Arkansas, so which it's is flat, it's flat, unprecedented achievement uh, for Arkansas. That's impressive, and I think you know, folks that are driving home right now and may not know all the ins and outs to be able to hold Medicaid growth in its entirety to zero growth in this environment uh, in current times is an incredible achievement. And I think Director Gillespie and her team over there, DHS, have done a phenomenal job. But also, it's important to know that these transformation efforts that we always talk about, yeah. Not only are they paying off, but we've been able to maintain that coverage and ensure that coverage for those who actually need it, which is huge, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but part of you know a key factor in reducing the spending has been the fact that there's a reduced number of Arkansas of Arkansans on Medicaid. That means they're leaving the program, they're getting jobs, and they're working. And so that's just, I mean, this this whole news piece right here is incredible for a number of reasons. Um, obviously, the savings. Obviously, the zero growth, but the fact that people are leaving Medicaid and getting jobs in the state of Arkansas uh, is just altogether sort of the cherry on top to this uh, news announcement. Man, it's good news. I mean, it's been the thing that everybody has been worried about since Arkansas, well, since Obamacare was birthed here in the United States, was that more and more and more and more people were going to be on Medicaid which meant more and more and more money was going to have to be spent on those people. Yeah, and since the governor got into office in 2015, we've always talked about, you know, there's been this fight on, you know, keeping um, at the time private option. Uh, we've transformed that, and obviously the current program with Arkansas works with conservative uh, uh, waivers attributed to it. And um, it, you know, th- there's been that fighting and what direction we're going to go and that sort of thing. And this really speaks volumes to his vision for the program and knowing that we could make it sustainable, but we needed to do, uh, you know, conservative policies to, to fix it, to tweak it. Uh, and I think this has been, uh, a, a, you know, really shows now that the fruits three years ago, we're starting to see that where we're not growing um, at, at the rate that other states have seen. We were already at a smaller level, but the fact that we're held to zero growth and it's $22 million below the previous fiscal year. And, Dave, you, you know enough about the budget that, that it's very rare to see 
a dip in the next year's budget as far as growth in health care. Don't want me to start on that, J.R. <laughs> Just saying. You yeah. don't want me to start on no, that. No, but I'm telling you, though, this is, they say, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 138 years of, of Democratic control in this state, um, this was big. And you can't can't fix all the issues uh, in a year or two years. But what we're seeing now is is that budget starting to go down or, or held flat, at least with Medicaid spending. And that's that's huge for the state of Arkansas. Okay. So, so talk with me for just a moment, because we do know how much money the, the state will have to pay will begin to accelerate some. Right. All right. It's going to go up. So how important is the next uh, step of uh, having uh, these uh, pieces put into place with the federal government like going from uh you know 138 percent poverty level to 100 percent to be able to keep these numbers where they're at oh it's it's uh it's it's big um you know for for lack of a a better word it's 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 big for the state it's huge um no it's very very important the governor's still very much focused on getting that waiver from hhs that would allow us to to move the line on the federal poverty level from 138 to 100 as far as eligibility goes that's very very big we're also going into the third month uh of the work requirement uh in august um and and so you know that that we've we have dhs especially and some of the the partners have notified at exhaustion you know everyone out there to say this is the new work requirement this is what you have to do Mm -hmm. um they have uh you know emailed phone calls uh you know uh, actual mail later yeah i mean we've done everything we possibly can to notify folks to make sure that those who need it get it but for those who no longer live in the state or have moved on to a different, uh, you know, maybe moved on to their spouse's insurance, or they've gotten a job and they've moved up and out, Right. we don't want to continue to pay for those premiums as a state. It just makes sense. So you've got to be able to identify those individuals, and that's what we're doing right now. So you're going to see after the month of August, uh, those who didn't verify their employment uh, that weren't exempt uh, will fall off the program for the rest of the year. And, uh, and so I think you'll continue to see, uh, you know, Arkansas Works and Medicaid as a whole, those reforms we're putting in, uh, you'll start to see some successes there, and I think we're starting to see that now. All right, so are you all getting any feeling for this at all about how many people may move off of the program when you have this first round come to an end? Uh, I know DHS is looking at that. I don't have those figures in front of me, but you know we, we expect there to be people who, like we said, that, that no longer um, – uh, uh, well, no longer are eligible for the program or haven't done the personal accountability side of things and actually gotten in touch with DHS and verified their employment. So, uh, yeah, we, we I expect there to be a decrease there um, in September. Um, but also, I think it's important, Dave, you said that, yes, the state's side will uh, go up over the next couple of years as yes. far as the cost. But if you remember back in 2015, 2016, the governor went to the legislative task force and said, my goal is to save eight hundred and thirty five million dollars over the next four years or five years in order to pay for that mm-hmm. why well, i can tell you today from where we're standing right now we are on pace and ahead of pace to save the 835 million dollars by 2021 
to pay for that. So this is stuff that the governors identified from the very beginning and said, we've got it. You know, it's not just one decision. There's a series of decisions and policy initiatives that you have to put into place in order to achieve your goal. And we are ahead of that right now. So that's good news for the state of Arkansas. We talk about workforce. We talk about all these different things. Uh, healthcare is obviously essential uh, to every state, but here in Arkansas, it's about managing it and being good stewards of taxpayer dollars. And that's what we're seeing right now out of uh, the governor's office and, of course, uh, Cindy Gillespie at DHS and her team. All right. We're down to just a few moments here of the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me just ask, what are maybe a couple of things that uh, the citizens should be watching for here over the, the – <laughs> You nervous? Really, no, I don't know what happened. Uh, he this, is a, this, is a, this is a Dennis Milligan treasure uh, pencil, so apparently we're cutting costs <laughs> over there. Yeah, and making them thinner. <laughs> I'll bring you the one lead's back. The not Feel really thick. That's yeah, all right. <laughs> anyway, bottom line, uh, anything that's coming up uh, in the future that – you can give everybody a little hint on saying, yeah, there's a big announcement coming up here in a few weeks. Well, I will tell you, on Monday, the governor is going to kick off his 2018 agriculture tour okay. uh, around the southwest part of the state. Uh, we're going to hit places up like Nashville, DeQueen, uh, uh, Ashdown, uh, Bearden. So we're going down there and hitting a bunch of different sectors from Timberland uh, to fruit orchards to cattle farms and really just going down there to listen to farmers and and, and understand where they're coming from, some of the issues that are facing them, talk about the tariffs, talk about trade, uh, any other issues that are out there. But it's just important for the governor to uh, go down there and just and visit with them face-to-face. And I think that'll be a good opportunity for, for farmers to come out and, uh, and uh, just discuss those issues with the governor. Because he wants to listen. Biggest industry in the state of Arkansas mm-hmm. is still agriculture. JR, yeah, I appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Thanks Dave. for coming in. I appreciate we'll it. We'll do it again All next right. Thursday. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Sorry about your pencil. <laughs> I got to call Milligan about that. <laughs> and more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. If you only heard a, pa- a part of the interview that we had with J.R. Davis, the government's, uh, governor's uh, spokesperson, uh, he'll be back on. We'll repeat that as we always do at 5 o'clock so uh, you can hear what he had to say. A lot of good things about... Uh, you know, Sessions' visit yesterday here in Arkansas about what's going on up in Springdale uh, with Tyson, things with the uh, the state police and their new lab that they're going to have, and then the big numbers coming out dealing with uh, Meta, uh, was it Medicaid, uh, and that uh, the cost is being held static, which is uh, really, really good news uh, as well. Whether they can keep that going or not, I don't know, although according to J.R., Governor had already uh, knew about the additional funds that the, uh, the state would have to come up with and had come up with a way to uh, have the money ready to pay for that uh, when it got here coming in 2020. So um, we'll talk about that in the future uh, as well. Maybe uh, get the governor on to talk about how they did that. It would be interesting to hear the whole story on that. But right now, big story that happened yesterday, uh, came. it really started on Tuesday and then accelerated yesterday and continues to cel- uh, uh, you know, ex- uh, uh, go faster, accelerate today. Uh, we're looking, we're talking about 3D and uh, the printing of guns and things of that nature. I just want everybody to know that this is not a new story. That, that's the weirdest thing about this story of all, is that it is not a new story. This technology has been out there for quite some time. 
uh, not in the, the plastic area, but you've been able to make a gun at your house for a long, long time. Is that not right, Ed? Yeah, in most states and you still can. Go out and make a, you know, out of metal. Because it's been a federal law for I don't know how long that your firearm must be able to be seen. You can't make a ghost weapon. Is that what you understood? The, I, I can't speak uh, certainly, but my understanding is, yeah, it has to be able to be picked up by metal detectors, x-rays. Okay, so we've got Mr. Wass going to be on today. Is it Dan? Is that who I've got? Dan Wass. All uh-huh. right, so Dan is with us. Now, Dan's been on the show before a couple times. Uh, he's been on with us, uh, one with uh, with Jan Morgan before. Uh, he was here at the uh, the convention downtown. Uh, the Tea Party Convention, and uh, we had him on there. And uh, it was funny because I, I get this uh, email, not email, a text, uh, in fact, just a, a kind of an instant message, uh, you know, from Shelly with a Y. And <laughs> <laughs> she says to me, hey, I met this guy on uh, the Internet, and, you know, he says he'd be happy to come on the air. And she said who it was, and I think uh, it's like, you know, bad guy, good guy with a gun or something like that. It was his book. I've got a copy of it. I've read it. And uh, he's very knowledgeable. And, in fact, on the 3D I- issue of uh, guns, he's very, very knowledgeable. So, Dan, we're glad to have you back with you, uh, with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, how are things been going for you? Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on your show. And you're keeping them honest, and we appreciate you very much for that. And where's my friend Shelly? Is she there? I'm here. Yeah. Nice to meet hey, you. Hey. Yeah. So, so what do you guys want to talk about? Guns well, and stuff? Yeah, I think maybe we want to talk about not only about guns, but maybe about plastic guns. I just think it's so funny that everybody is losing their marbles over this when it, this technology has been around for some time now. Well, let me diffuse the hysterics. These plastic guns will probably be able to shoot one, maybe two rounds before they, you know, before they uh, fail. And this is all just a big fear, part of the fear campaign from the anti-gun left. So, let me ask you a question. How many people do you know with 3D printers? Um, I, I don't have one and I can tell you my friends don't have it because they're like $10,000. I think most people didn't even know they existed until now. (laughs) Exactly. But the anti-gun left wants everyone to think that every teenage kid and every criminal and every thug and every, every bad guy is going to be in their basement pumping out these 3d guns and they're going to right. go out there's going to be mass killings all over the place and we're going to have the wild west with with these u- almost useless plastic guns and they want you to think that all you have to do is hit your button on your printer and a gun will pop out <laughs> it's not that simple there, it's a pretty complex operation there's a lot of parts involved and it's a very expensive process but this is all just part of the the reactor because they know that the that the anti-gunners are scared to death. The people who don't know any better, they know they're scared to death already, so this is just part of their hysterics, part of their fear campaign. Yeah, i got to tell you a great story. I just, I just, this happened today before I came on the air. And uh, if you'll remember back in the 90s, Diane Feinstein, uh, remember when Terry McVeigh blew up uh, the mirror building in Oklahoma City? Yes. Okay. Feinstein made it illegal 
to publish the recipe to make an explosive out of uh, uh, ammonia nitrate. All right? And guess what? I went on the Internet today and typed that in. It's all over the Internet now. Sure it is. It's everywhere you look. Of course it is. The whole thing is ridiculous. You know, you talk, the same people who want to stop the, um, the, the publication or the sharing of, this, of these uh, instructions or these blueprints or whatever you want to call them for these 3D-printed guns, they're the same people who support Hollywood. Now, think about this. Hollywood shows you in every action film that they produce how to murder people. But... But somehow, it's okay when we're talking about movies. They're giving you the instruction manual. You watch it all the time. But somehow, when they give you the instruction manual to make a gun that falls right in line with your Second Amendment right, somehow that's not not okay. It's all part of the politics behind the left-wing anti-gun agenda. And it's not even really about guns. It's about politics. It's about power is what it's about. Yes. Yeah. You know, they want to control what you can make and what you can publish. And that's why I see this as a bigger First Amendment problem than I see it as a Second Amendment problem, I, although it is a Second Amendment problem. I, if I could just uh, – this is my honest-to-God belief on this, and mark my wires, this is, this is where we're going, okay? This is where this is headed. This is their way to open up the discussion – about all of a sudden now everybody learning who didn't know already as ed was talking about that it's already legal to make a firearm in your own home unregistered it's legal always has been okay and the left doesn't want that to be anymore so they have created they have found a nugget here that they're turning into a huge situation playing off the fears of these these uh these people out there in america who who just don't have time to even do their own research or pay attention really and they're hearing this stuff and scaring them to death no, they want, and it's they, opening the door they don't want you for to them to go after now the legalization of making your own firearm in your own home this is where it's going period that's where they're going watch and see watch uh-huh. this is opening up that door and this is where that where they're headed that's what they're going after on the second amendment right now okay so dan i want you to listen to a second from ed monk ed monk is a you know he uh, he teaches firearm safety he's got a, he's going out to a school tonight to talk about what do you do if there's an active shooter he's well trained he's a west point graduate he was in Operation Desert Storm. This guy knows his stuff about guns and about what you do when bad guys have guns and other people may not have them. He was uh, doing a presentation here just a few weeks back, and some lady followed him out of this presentation, walked up and said, Sir, 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 what about drones? What about having drones in schools to stop shooters? And I'll let you pick. I'll let you pick it up from there, Ed. Well, yeah, it was when Dr. John Lott and I were talking to the JPR committee at the state legislature, and the I don't know twenty or so people were in the back with their mom demands action shirt, and of course John was coming here to be on your show, so yeah. we had to get him out of there and bring him here. And she followed out very polite, but she followed us out and kind of shook me down and said, 
I'm in said about seven times. I'm a physicist. I'm a physicist. Why can't why can't we use drones? Why can't we use drones when an act? And that way we wouldn't have to hurt them. She's a and physicist. Now listen, I'm I'm extremely hurt the shooter. I'm I'm pro hurting the active shooter once he starts shooting. And when I asked her, okay, well, how do you? Okay, assuming somebody has the controls when it starts and the drone somewhere nearby, how does the drone open doors? If there's closed doors between where the shooting is happening and where the drone takes off, how does the drone open? And doors? what was her answer? Will will. We'll work something out. She's a, something out. she's a physicist. She's a physicist. Yeah, she's yeah. a physicist. I love it. That's such yeah, a well, the, funny story. Of course, because she's a physicist, you're supposed to you're supposed to listen to her. You're supposed to, <laughs> you're supposed to disregard all logic that you have and that you know and all knowledge that you know and listen to her. But here's the thing: I don't. I don't. I still don't. I'm just trying to picture this drone. A drone. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know when you come. We're talking about schools. That's scary. And, and, and That's even free scary. School zones. Yeah, it's like my question is to these knucklehead anti-gun leftists: What would you rather have guarding your kids—a good guy with a gun, or some whiny little liberal anti-gun activist with a whistle and a clipboard? Right, and a drone, and a drone, and a drone <laughs> that is terrifying. I mean, will they have heat-seeking missiles on it? No, her her point was you would just like fly it into their face and and hurt them and cause them. <laughs> well, clearly she's yeah. done her research. Yeah, she, like that nine-year-old kid that did the research on the turtles and the straws. Oh yeah, and, yeah. That was so you you have heard that correct? Uh, you know about the the straws that are being found that not you can't use them anymore, like in San Francisco because uh, turtles. In yeah. fact, specifically Asian turtles uh, get these okay. get these straws up their nose. And uh, I think it's just a hidden cocaine habit. He that thinks they have. they're on drugs. That's what I think they are. <laughs> but the bottom line is that you got all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, there we got a, a little a little kid running from a shooting, and it says, "I need it for my juice box." She's running from a cop. He's yeah. trying to chase her down. Well, yeah. you arrest know, her. We talked about this on that first show I did, and I mean, the, this is the question I pose to people who say you know to put an armed guard in the school and i'm not talking about police officers i'm talking about specially trained they could be ex-military what i mean we're talking about people that are going to be completely and totally 100 verifiable it certifiable could be me trained right dave he would uh, hey I, i'm not sure how good of a shot you are but but we'll go with I'm it because i know good. you'll 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 protect them regardless I've got my marksmanship medals but it's like would you rather in my joe my daughter was here that day and we talked about that and dave knows i am very passionate about this school shooting stuff and i brought her on the air about it yeah and uh we were discussing and i said you know they they sit there and say it's gonna scare the kids whatever you know why would we put more guns so you you are saying that it's you're fearful of your kids seeing a very nice man there or woman that's spe- specifically there. It's their job and their only job to protect your child while they go through a metal detector to say hi and wave to you every morning. That's scary or scarier than a gunman coming in and shooting bullets everywhere and murdering classmates and these kids getting killed and these kids watching their classmates getting killed. And then you've got... God knows how many hundreds of people storming in there with guns. Hello? And they say, oh, it'll look like a jail. Well, how do you know that will look like a jail? We've never seen this. We've ne- It's an armed guard 
and a metal detector. And I have zero talk. Like, there's no negotiation on this. And this is a plight I have that's a, whole, a movement I want to start. Like, it's time to rattle some cages, even at the state level. And what I would say to Governor Hutchinson, with all due respect, Governor, you like your task forces, but we're not reinventing the wheel here when it comes to how to protect yourself. So what I say to you is the Arkansans, we pay your salary to protect you when you came here on the show a few weeks ago you had your armed guard you had your police escort look no further than yourself governor hutchinson at how you are secured and my baby and your grandchild governor hutchinson and every every aunt uncle parent mom dad grandparent out there should be raising hell in Arkansas, you and the legislator right now to get armed guards in these schools, get metal detectors in these schools. Okay, we so, don't need a task force. Okay, so Ed, do you want uh, you want her to be at your presentation tonight? Anybody can be at my presentation. <laughs> give my kid, give our kids at the state of Arkansas the same amount of protection that you afford yourself, Governor Hutchinson. Please. And you know what? And you know what? Shelly Shelley is nailing it because here's, here's the thing. I, I just talked to our friend Shan, uh, Jan Morgan today. Yes. We had a long time. We, we talk about this stuff because it's important that we discuss what's going on in the minds of the anti-gunners. Now, the truth is killers will choose gun-free zones 69% of the time. And of the other 31% of the time where, where they do their dirty work in, in places where people do have guns a third of those are stopped by you guessed it a good guy with a gun amen so so it doesn't it but pushing the logic on them is like beating them over the head with a dictionary and hoping that they'll learn how to spell it just doesn't work because they're so indoctrinated and they're so convinced and they can't turn away from their narrative that they've been taught and they've been conditioned because if they were to turn away from that narrative they were to accept the truth and if they were to accept the actual statistics behind guns they would have to admit that they have been wrong all this time and it goes against everything that they've been taught so so the tr- the truth and, and here's an, and here's another thing let me give you another little statistic here a cdc report from the 90s which it was shelved since the 90s and the, and the report came out and it said recently it, they recently uncovered it it said that two and a half million lives a year in America are saved by a, a good gun. And that doesn't mean that a good guy is killing a bad guy all the time. It sometimes just means the mere presence of a gun stops a crime. So they, they don't like to see this logic, and the gun-free school zones is a perfect example, and I think Shelley, you know, nailed it. But, but we, ha- we have to fight them on this every step of the way because our kids are getting killed and the last thing we need are teachers with guns they're not there to do that they need to do their job and let someone else protect them i, too. I, would, I would totally disagree with that yeah uh, I do teachers too. are I there to teach until the first shot goes off cafeteria workers are there to serve food until the first shot goes off counselors are there to counsel till the first shot goes off when the first shot goes off everybody has the exact same job and that's saving lives my brother and I were both teachers before we became law enforcement officers. We both became law enforcement officers very late in our lives, in our 40s. Uh, my brother's a master-level IDPA shooter, uh, top of the heap, one of the best handlers with a gun, before he became a cop. He could have just as well protected him as an English teacher as he now does with a cop. All right, why don't you keep your thought? We're going to come back, pick it up where you're at, because I'm, I'm where you're at. 
Shelly's not there. We'll we'll talk about that, why she feels this way. We'll talk to Dan, and we're going to talk to Brent, who wants to get on the show as well. All that's coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. you got so much to look forward to. Hey, at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, they're getting close to uh, getting that state-of-the-art facility built with the latest technology in prosthetics and orthotics. Want to know what they got? They just bought one, a 3D printer. Yeah, they can print. They're getting to the point where they're going to be able to print, you know, a prosthetic leg or an arm or a hand or whatever, and it will fit you absolutely perfectly. But it's done by a computer, and you have to go and, uh, you know, make a map of uh, where the uh, amputation is, and you run over that, and it dumps all of that data into the uh, printer, and then the printer uh, will print out the uh, prosthetic it's that's on the way it's not that far off it's future but it's coming know that what hortons wants to do is to keep you the patient happy and for you to reach uh, the uh, the height of mobility that you want to reach all six locations when the new uh, updated facility is done little rock north little rock bryant conway fort smith and Searcy. that's hortons orthotics and prosthetics providing a lifetime of support. All right, we're down, we're down to about a minute and 10 seconds here in this half hour. Uh, Dan, you stay there. We'll be to you after the break. And uh, Brent, same with you. Ed, I stopped you. What were the last few points that you wanted to make and do it quickly? Just Well, it's got a 100% success rate, and we ought to pay attention to things that have a 100% success rate. Every single active shooter attack where there's been somebody armed and present, and by present I mean they're, they can hear it or they can see it when it starts, and they've acted to stop it. We've a hundred percent of the time we've had single digit victim counts. I think we ought to pay attention to things that have a hundred percent success rate. Armed citizens have never shot the wrong person in an active shooter attack. Law enforcement has, and there's never been a school that had armed staff that's that's been attacked so far. Not saying it won't happen, but again, we have a hundred percent success rate. Armed school staff is mathematically the only plan that. It gives you a reasonable expectation that you'll have single-digit victim counts. It's the one at lowest cost, and it's one that makes the most sense. It's just we can't get beyond the political and emotional roadblocks to take the easiest measure that has the best chance of getting us the mathematical results we want, which is single-digit victim counts. All right, I, mine, got, mine is not, zero. You gotta wait. We gotta get to. We've got to get to the news. Let's do that. All right. Don't forget about my friends, Arrow Plumbing. They'll take good care of you. They got a hundred percent satisfaction guaranteed. If you're not one hundred percent satisfied with the service we have provided, or they've provided, it's not going to be me um, underneath your sink or your toilet. I can tell you that. Uh, they'll refund all your money. Uh, if the plumber shows up, doesn't put on his little, you know, shoe covers, or uh, you find out he's not been uh, drug tested, well, bottom line is you don't have to pay for the service. And if the repair happens to fail in the first year, they'll repair it again at no charge. That's Aero Plumbing, AeroPlumbing.net, and Aero Plumbing just on uh, Google. You know, you find all the con- uh, contact information things there. All right, Brent gave up. He uh, moved on. You call back, Brent. We'll let you get into the conversation. We just got a lot of different guests, and we're giving everybody a chance to talk, and we uh, didn't get to you at that moment, but we would have gotten to you right now. It was already set up and ready to go. Uh, Dan Waz is with us. He's on uh, the phone as well. Dan, where in the east, uh, the northeast, do you live at? 
Well, I'm in what, what we call upstate New York, uh, Saratoga Springs. Okay. Um, just above Albany, um, about probably about three and a half hours north of New York City. Okay, so that's a little. Now I'm just saying this. That's a little, little. You can't see it on T. If you look on the on on the Facebook, the live Facebook that we're doing, little bit different than New York City is. It is. There are some Republicans in that area. Correct. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's actually um it it's actually just at the at the foot of the Adirondack Mountains and uh, it's a beautiful part of the state. And if anybody gets a chance to visit up here, um, they, they know. We're also known for, for our harness track, the, the horse track. Cool. Uh, Saratoga Springs. Yeah, so a lot of conservatives, a lot of hunters, a lot of gun owners. And uh, we're, we're, we, have a, we have a pretty good mix of, uh, not that it's a good mix, but we have a mix <laughs> of liberal conservatives. So. Okay, now, I understand that not only are you a marksman, but you also are quite the dirty dancer, that after you saw that movie with Patrick Swayze in that area, you decided to take that type of dancing up. Is that right? (laughs) What? (laughs) He's talking to you, Dan. Dan, I'm talking to you. He said you're a dirty dancer. Uh, You're a dirty dancer. He watched Dirty Dancing. That came out of left field. Yeah, I don't know, Dave. Yeah, that that was very random. Are you okay, Dave? I'm I'm a movie I'm a movie buff, and when you say, you know, Rondak, I think Dirty Dancing. Oh, yeah, we totally see the relate. Yes, we see how you totally went there. That was, yeah, that was Dave, I, obvious. I, can't dance. I, I really can't dance. No kidding. Well, that's okay. It doesn't Dave. matter. That was just off the wall. I'll be honest. Sorry. Brent, Brent came back, so let's get Brent on here. Brent, you're, you're part of the conversation now on the Dave Ellswick Show. What are you bringing to the, to the party here? Well, uh, from what I've seen with my time in the military, I'm going to say thank you for your service and the others if they are there. But uh, battle hardened is one thing. But here domestically, they don't want to see us that much, I think. And if you look over at Israel, their schools are hard, you know, they are definitely hard targets. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because they got Wonder Woman protecting their schools. I mean, yeah, anybody wants to know security, just look no further than Israel. I mean, Wonder Woman was part of the IDF, what can I say? But yeah, on Wonder Woman, (laughs) Dirty Days, what are we talking about? (laughs) But, you know, I agree with you completely. If you can, you know, I'm sorry, madam, but if you can arm the teachers, you know, just, you know, sometimes just pray and pray will shake them up that, hey, there's something going down. I may not want to go into that area. Well, I'm not yeah, saying I'm at some you. point that that All right, might Brett, be. We'll let, but... we'll let you go, Brett, because we're going to get Dan on this as well. Go. Um, yeah, and I, I do have an opinion on this. I think that some people are inclined to carry a gun. Some people are naturals, and some people can be trained. Some people, however, I just I just think that they're so far removed from it that um, that you know, there's just some people that I that are, you know just aren't inclined to do it and that's okay i don't think that when we're talking about arming teachers i don't think we're talking about you know mandatorily you know handing out mandatory guns no i think i think what we're talking about is is giving all the teachers the option and you'll find that a good majority of them will probably take take it up and uh, and and 
you you know ha- you know conceal carry um, to protect the kids. There will be some that just don't want to and won't feel comfortable with it, and I think that's okay. Well, and I, I will say no. Yeah, I guess I need to clarify. I, giving them the option. I mean. I thought we were talking like mandatory. No, no, I don't, no, I don't no, know no, of no. anybody anywhere in the country that has ever suggested mandating any staff member of a school carrying a gun. But that always seems to come up as, yeah. as, this, as the false argument to go to. I don't know of anybody, not one person in the whole country that has ever suggested yeah. we I mean, mandate. The ones that, are, yeah. that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. And, nope. and I don't limit it to the teachers. I don't care if it's the janitor, sure. the counselor, the cafeteria worker. Right. The, the plan is be to get a way. minimum amount yeah. so that there can be at least two in every wing of the school on every floor. That mathematically yeah. gives you a good chance of if a shooting starts, one of the armed staff can know. get to them within 30 to 45 seconds and keep the victim count low. But the armed guards you never know. The lunch lady might be a good shot. That's exactly right. They could sure throw that food down on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't want to see teachers with guns some... or, you know, this whole thing without the armed guard, metal detector, camera thing in place is my thing. Well, I need That's ca- like, the cameras and Because and, then you, you, you uh, almost can get a 100% with, I mean, not just single victims. I want zero victim. Like, you know, anything, yes, can happen, but... I mean, I one more child dying in their school, one more baby dying in their school is absolutely unacceptable to me. One more baby. I don't care whose baby it is. It's unacceptable. Like, zero tolerance for I, it. I want zero, and I hope for zero. But from planning simulated and real combat operations from 20 years, I'm not going to plan for zero. I want it, and I hope for it. But if your plan is for zero the first time the first shot goes off, and I don't care if you have 17 armed guards at, at a metal detector then they'll start shooting people that are waiting in line to go through the metal detector that'll they'll start attacking the school buses they'll they'll if they want to attack they're going to attack yeah if somebody wants well, to do well, harm I'm they, the, they can they yeah. can do i'm just harm. saying the plan should be zero and well, yeah. obviously anything can happen but the plan in my view should be zero well, that's yeah. the plan yeah. you I always shoot at that i, I disagree Pardon I, I hope Pardon i hope I told, for zero yeah, we totally disagree but on this. then that when the first shot goes off and the first person is shot then your plan is gone so uh, what's, what is now what is. is now the plan of course it is i want a plan that'll carry out and get the results but the plan should be for for zero victims zero kids dying that should be the plan zero and then obviously things happen something happens then it's try to mitigate and minimize the damage then as much every as time there is one victim shot your plan has failed no, that's not true uh, if that's your plan not true. is zero but that's, and that's, you get that's one what your shot. plan is that you 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 will do anything and everything you can possibly do within our control to save every single child from this happening again in their schools period well, that's the that's, then if it doesn't happen it's not a failure Michelle, oh yeah well shelly if you if you say that is our plan you're going to have to mitigate it so that when it – because the, the 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 whole thing is is that probably there's going to get – somebody's going to get hurt because the person who has the gun that wants to do something evil knows he's going to do something evil. Everybody else does not know. Uh, of course. That you're going, well, of course. Gonna, they'll probably get the shot I don't off disagree. First. I don't disagree with any of that. All I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with saying our plan is zero. That's what we want. And if something ha- does happen, then it's going to be minimal, and it's still going to be gut-wrenching. But it's it's things happen. We can't control absolutely but everything. You've got to explain but you can control to, what you have to control to the parents that 
if something bad happens, something bad happens. We're doing everything we can to but keep it to a minimum. But our plan is for zero. Like we're not, I hate the word minimum. That's those are babies. Those are human beings. Like it's, 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 it's your plan should be zero. You do everything. Okay. Zero. <laughs> I got Frankie wants to talk to us, Dan, and I'll let you get in on this. If you were right here, Dan, this would work a lot easier. <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there soon. I, I okay. think uh, we're talking about doing some stuff down in Arkansas, so hopefully I can. Well, okay, welcome well, good. to Free when, America. When you're coming down here, you let me know. We'll get it set up for you. Uh, Frankie is in Little Rock. She's a teacher. Hey, Frankie, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, I'm great. Love your show. Daily listener. Thank you. But i got to disagree with teachers being armed. Um, first of all, I'm a concealed carry instructor, and I'm not a physicist, but I do teach physics. <laughs> okay. So, do you fly... Um, do you fly uh, Drones, drones and the, the no, faces. I've never flown a drone this is my before. friend Frankie Troutman. <laughs> okay. This is the deal with uh, the school shootings. I've done uh, safety and security assessments for for schools, and it seems like the the doors are unlocked at some of these schools. I mean, it seems like we could do a lot of safety by just securing the school. Like the school that I'm at has 47 doors, and they're all locked all day long. Somebody's got to unlock that that door and if the kids can go freely inside and out by themselves there needs to be an adult there not an armed security guard but a security guard so communication's key right there with the radio and everything else my second point is these uh these um we as taxpayers federal and state all the different lunch programs all the different monies that's uh that's given to these kids for education i think it's six to eight grand per kid i'm pretty sure we can find 30 or 35 thousand dollars a year for a retired military or retired policeman to come in some of these more rural school schools. I work in the Little Rock School District, and we've got great security. And we've got armed police officers, LRPD, and um, I'm not sure how they're funding. Do you all have metal but, detectors? Sure. Uh, we I have, think, uh, really? We have manual metal like the you know the handheld one is everybody okay. nobody gets in without it all right let's let's Fra- let me let dan frankie, jump in uh, here frankie made some great points you know ideally i think what we'd like is you know give give that opportunity to retired military retired police officers uh first you know and, and then if if there are any uh school teachers or faculty members that are that are inclined to do that that maybe you know that maybe they're trained maybe maybe they are uh you know retired police officers then then that's then that's great but here's another thing that i don't think anybody's talking about is the uh the nra is backing a program called <gasps> school shield yes i was just talking yes thank you this Go is ahead. right this is where they um they're they're tr- putting together programs to train police officers to do exactly what we're talking about to to protect our kids in schools because you know officers are are you know in the out in the field and and their experience is a little different i would imagine than a school type attack so the training i think for schools would be a little bit different so i think it's a great idea i think there's a lot of different options let's let's not get too far sucked into this narrative that all the teachers are going to be running around with guns that's it's it doesn't paint um a a pretty picture and that's what the left wants to do they want everyone to think that we gun owners want everybody to have a gun we want to pass them out like you know like candy exactly and then that's not what we're going for i don't think i think like i said before i think the ones that are inclined great police officers military 
uh, Frankie made some good points there. Um, programs like School Shield, I think there's a lot of different options that we can protect our kids. But the left, the anti-gunners, they are doing everything to resist all of this stuff. And School Shield's been around since 2012 after Sandy Hook, by the way. And I raise your hand out there who's listening or watching on Facebook if you've ever heard of the NRA Shield program. Why hasn't this country heard about this? Come on. I mean, this is huge. Right, right. They're talking about it more now. Uh, but uh, it's it, it should be uh, it should be widely uh, you know widely known. So you know, but but that's it. I, I think we, we, a lot of good points here and um, a lot of good solutions. But the like I said before, the left will resist all of it because it doesn't fit their political narrative. So does the right. I see. I don't think I heard a lot of solutions. I heard the caller say he did not want to arm teachers, but I did not hear a solution that would get me a very low victim count. I heard him say locking doors, and I hear that all the time. If the yeah. shooting is at a middle school or a high school, it is almost always one of your own students. So yeah. locking doors does not prevent that. Uh, retired military, and I say this as a 24-year active-duty veteran, I don't see why everybody goes to the military. Well, if they're a veteran, that would be okay. Okay, so this guy served two years in the Naval Reserve in Wisconsin. Does that make him any more qualified than the physics teacher who shoots uh, competitive defensive handgun matches on on the weekends? Good, no. good point. Uh, if you go, I to, think it does it, absolutely. I why? do because that that the military guy is actually trained to be in high high stress situations and whatnot. I mean, they're trained for war for God's sake. Someone sakes. in the naval reserve. The is physicist is a physicist. She's like trained to go to war, or trained to, to well, go to war with people, or trained to kill someone, people. I mean, everyone she's just a just good a, shot. If somebody who's a physicist or somebody and is a physicist and he's in the army reserve, Shelley, unless you've been in the active duty. I didn't say military, but there, I can tell you there's a lot of military people out there that are for that and want to do that. I, my father, Joe Pisani, you couldn't find a better guy that knows his guns. He used to sell guns. He but was a gun dealer for years. You can and find he the is same a, thing in the teachers, and, Shelley. And he can you get You can trained. find the same he in the get, teachers. They're teaching, Dave. So they're teaching. They're teaching. What are they trying they, to save everybody's life? Lunch. Are they teaching they're, after the first shot? That's geez, what I'm saying. I mean, how hard is this to understand? I it's don't, real hard. It's easy. Before uh, somebody starts shooting, to, yes, they're but, teaching. But they, look, That's look, what we've said we, all we along. We see the NFL. We Shelly, see Verizon. We've we said it again. Huge event. Let me stop you Nobody for just gets a second. In with guns. Stop for a moment and listen. None of us has said every teacher should carry. I know that. Okay. You keep bringing that up. We've never said that. I didn't. No, I didn't say. I'm saying if they want to, fine. Okay, that's what we're saying. But, we're not saying everybody. No, I know that. I'm just saying the armed guard thing, the metal detector. That is like a, it's. That's like you have to have that. I don't have any problem with that. Well, then we're, we all, we were arguing about something that we were on and on the same page on. I think okay. it started okay. with the veterans thing. People say well, it's got to be a veteran or a retired cop. Uh, I know I shoot every weekend with a lot of guys that are a lot better, a lot more dependable with their gun than a lot of the cops I know and a lot of the veterans that I know. And people say, well, you don't have police training. You won't know what to do in the heat of the moment. That's one time going out a a yearly and Parkland, shoot. The Parkland SRO had 30 years of police training, Mm -hmm. and he didn't go into the building. You can't train somebody to do that. You can train them with skills, but you can't train them to have the heart and the will to go in. Uh, And so people that are in there. That's a good thing to talk about, the heart and the will. Where, Where does that come from? 
Uh, it, it comes. It, I don't know how to judge it, but I know if you have a number enough people armed inside that school, the chances that somebody that has the will being close enough is much bigger than if you have nobody or you have one SRO or you have one armed guard. It's just math. It's not emotion. Yeah. It's not politics. Yeah. It's math. If you have two people in every wing, you have a good chance of getting somebody there. Go ahead, Dan. Then I got to go to I think, break. I think most of us would naturally just uh, just go in uh, to save lives. I think that's a natural human instinct. Um, so I, I think I think he's right. And uh, but then there may be some who will cower under a table or run to a closet yeah. because they don't just like that cop you're talking about at park at parkland yeah really and just like some them. soldiers in combat you, d- despite yeah. having the same training of every soldier that fought there's going to be some that won't but i think teachers or staff members inside the school currently getting shot at have a much bigger uh piece of the pie than someone who's outside the building that has to make a des- decision to come in okay i have yeah. to jump in because we got to take a break we'll come back we'll finish this all up here on the dave ellswick show uh for this hour don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. 982 is their number. If you need a mirror, which I've needed before, I got it at Sonny's. If you need a transmission, which I've needed, I've gotten it from Sonny's. I've gotten an engine from Sonny's. I'm trying to get, now this has been the tough one, a rear uh, wiper blade for my, my uh, SUV. And every time we find one we think it's going to work, it's already cracked because it's made out of plastic. So I'm still working with RD on that over at Sunny's Auto Salvage. But whatever you need, uh, they will do their best to get it. They'll give you a guarantee. They'll give you a standard warranty of one, two, or three years, parts and labor. You just talk to them about it. Again, the number, 982-7451, Sunny's Auto Salvage. All right, we're down to just a few moments. Dan Waugh is going to hold on. He's going to be with us in the next uh, half hour the dave ellswick show shelly will be here as well ready to throw the biggest iron she can at me <laughs> but with, with that all said let me turn back to uh to uh, uh ed ed you're going to be doing a presentation tonight where at what time how do people uh, get in conway convention center uh, it'll be from 6 to 9 p.m on the active shooter threat specifically the presentations geared to uh, armed citizens uh, you can go on uh, Shoothouse USA. They're the ones that are sponsoring it. If you go on their website, I think you can sign up and pay there. The seating is limited. I think they had like 11 or 12 seats left when I last checked with them. All right. You want to be there tonight. You've heard Ed on my show a lot. Go out and see what he looks like for a change. <laughs> that can be enough to scare most armed set, shooters. Anyway. Set the bar low. All set right. the bar low. <laughs> oh, All right, Ed. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Shelly, you stay where you're at. Dan, you stay where you're at. Might want to go get a drink uh, to make yourself ready for the next half hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue. This is our last uh, live hour today. In the next hour, we will repeat uh, J.R. Davis uh, from uh, the governor's office and uh, things that we talked about in the first hour so that you who didn't get a chance to hear it will get an opportunity to listen in. Dan Waz is with us. He is a uh, author dealing with the Second Amendment. Hey, Dan, what's the name of that uh, book again? The name of the book is Good Gun, Bad Guy, and you can get it at goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com. Okay, so are you still a bestseller? <laughs> well, I don't know. No, um, it, it changes. You know, sales sales change um, weekly, so... So no, but it's doing doing really really well, and I'm just uh, really thankful, especially all my friends in Arkansas and Alabama, and um, a lot of people down 
down your way um, have uh, have really taken a, a liking to the book. And then the second book is, has just been released, too. So we're working on that, um, Good Gun, Bad Guy 2, Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative, where oh, good. we talk mostly about the media and how the uh, anti-gun media gets their dirty paws on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Gillespie from Reason Magazine. I don't know if you know Nick or not. Uh, he looks a whole lot. Uh, in the past, I'm trying to think of uh, Lou Reed. That's who he looks like. He looks like Lou Reed uh, from the Velvet Underground. But he's written a new article today from Reasons Magazine saying 3D-printed guns are a great example of technophobia in media and politics. And I'm just going to read this uh, very first uh, uh, paragraph, and that makes a, a major point right off the bat. The hysteria over guns created by 3D printing technology is a classic example of media and political panic driven by fear of new technology rather than any sort of measurable threat. This is Craigslist killer territory where a relatively new technology is presumed to somehow unleash all new sorts of problems in hell because it's new. So the Luddites come out and and start talking about crazy stuff, the most radical things they can come up with, that it's going to destroy our culture, destroy our way of life, an example, uh, ex, uh, example being uh, the way things have been showing up over the last few days dealing with this 3D technology. Uh, I, just, I just gave you a good example in the last hour with Horton's prosthetics and... Uh, that's what it reminded me of when and, I, yes. Yeah, they're going to have go with 3D printers. And think about how good uh, the prosthetics uh, can be if what they're, how they're making them is not that they've got to make a mold and then they've got to make, a, you know, this and that and get it on the person and then they've got to buff it down and all the rest. When you can print it and it'd be absolutely a mirror image of what, you fed into the computer. I mean, that's going to be that's going to revolutionize prosthetics and orthotics. So you know, it's not to be feared. It's it's just to understand what it is and understand that it's been around for a while now, and not everybody's going to have a three D printer on 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 your street. Yeah, that's just it. It's just not going to happen the way they want you to think it's going to happen. But just remember this. If everybody can remember this this much, the left, especially the anti-gun people, they have, they have a job to do. Their job is to scare the hell out of people about guns, people who don't know any better, people who have maybe never shot, uh, don't own a gun, don't come from a family of guns. Those people already have a very limited uh, knowledge base. So what the anti-gunners will do, the anti-gun radicals, is they will do everything they can to scare these people to death. So all they can do, when they hear of a gun, they just want nothing to do with it, and they're scared. The other thing that they want to do is, in along with scaring people, they want those same scares. 
scared, fearful, anti-gun people to be hateful and angry toward gun owners because they want to convince everybody that gun owners are irresponsibly and recklessly putting everyone in danger because of this silly Second Amendment stuff. And the NRA somehow becomes, you know, the uh, the poster child for, for all evil. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But the people who who fall for it are people who don't think for themselves. They can't critically think this stuff through to a logical end. And they, they eat this stuff like candy. Uh, they love the propaganda because it's it's just it's so easy for them to consume so that's the target so those people on the left the, the people who we see on a daily basis the people we see in the grocery store and the and the and the coffee shop who are anti-gun they're the victims in this whole thing because the anti-second amendment radicals are feeding them this nonsense on a daily basis they're eating a consistent diet of anti-gun rhetoric and and they're getting fat on 100%. it 100 percent yeah now my my key is this uh you know, even as I watch Fox and, uh, you know, Mark Levin's pay uh, broadcasts, I still get a feeling that people just don't uh, trust guns. And you know what? It's not the gun that you have to trust or untrust uh, unless you're using it to protect your own life. Then you're hoping that it works the way it should. But if you've been treating it the way you should by keeping it clean and by going out and and practicing and things of that nature you should be very very confident that it's going to do what it wants what you want it to do but everybody seems to when you talk about guns all reason goes out the window have you found that to be the truth as well yeah well let me tell you how this how this all plays out they want to make it about guns. What we're really talking about here is human violence, because obviously there's no such thing as gun violence. Guns, don't do, guns aren't violent. It takes a person to, to take the act and pull the trigger and, and, and commit the crime. So what we're really talking about is human violence, and, and what causes human violence is where we should be focused. Okay, let's talk about what, what's causing human violence. But the anti-gunners will always bring the conversation around to the gun. And the minute we start talking about human violence, we get further and further away from their political agenda because their political agenda is around that gun. And see, the underlying truth of this whole thing is it's not even really about the gun. We talked, we touched on it briefly. It's about politics. It's about mm-hmm. left versus right. It's about who's going to have control of the country. And guns are just one component. It's one of their causes. You know, they have a whole bunch of causes. And, um, but but that but that's really what it's all about. And once we start talking about human violence, we have to start shining the spotlight on gang violence, drug violence, um, you know, radical uh, religions, um, open borders, all the stuff that the left defends. So the minute we start bringing the conversation there, they bring it right back to the gun because it suits them politically. Yeah, it just always amazes me when I'm talking about this subject. People will call me up, and I haven't. We haven't called for calls today, and this is the reason: is that people start coming up with the most inane, stupid uh, thoughts, and just a moment's pause to run it through your meat grinder of a brain, your IBM, <laughs> yep. should tell you that what you're saying is just a bunch of BS. I mean, it's a pile of of you know, smoking BS. That's exactly what it is. 
Totally. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we in in the in the media and 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 you know, you guys doing radio, we, we research this stuff and we study these things and we we try to understand it from a logical perspective. But you have to. What I do, what I try to do is I try to put myself in the position of the anti-gunner. You know, and I was there for a little while. That's hard. This, but I was I was kind of anti-gunner yeah. for a little while. I, I got caught up in all the propaganda myself. But but when you when you can, what happens there is that they're constantly being hit with a barrage of this anti-gun propaganda, colorful. Um, you know, stuff that they can satiate on, the fear stuff, because, you know, fear is a really strong emotion. Yes, it is. If you can can anchor somebody's fear mechanism with a gun, it's going to lock in their brain and they're going to develop a belief that guns are scary, guns are dangerous, no matter what the truth is. But that colorful stuff, it's marketing, really, is what it is. So... They do this, and people at their dinner table are eating dinner. They're good people. They just they just don't know anything about guns. Maybe they they don't critically think this stuff through. They're just trying to make their way through life, and they get caught up in it, and they get sucked in, and then they start to think that you know AR-15s are bad, and assault weapons, and gun violence, and all this stuff. It's all a colorful, um, fearful. Uh, campaign of it's just a big charade and all it is is to convince people to be scared of guns and hateful toward gun owners and the very very people who are spouting this trash are at the exact same moment being guarded guarded by a man with a gun oh yeah you're talking about you talk about the media people yeah you're talking about sometimes people who well i are, mean legislate you yeah. know the senator, you know, Nancy Pelosi senator comes Trey, around. I, I mean, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, our different public officials. Sure. And, and yes, some people in the media as well. They actually have armed guards. Uh, a lot of people don't even realize that. There's a lot of uh, mainstream media that they have their own personal security. Well, and they're spewing this the nonsense. New York Times, I just read an article. The New York Times is has, you know, armed security now. <laughs> they, they, they understand the importance of it, yet they'll they'll out the dangers of of guns and they'll yeah. and they'll support gun-free school zones but they'll have armed guards outside of their newspaper building to keep them safe while they're telling you that uh yeah so that you don't need to be safe yeah, I mean, you, the guns don't make you safe yet they're being guarded yeah by the just ask rosie o'donnell she'll explain it all to right us. <laughs> all right with that said dan i know that we we've held you over i got to get a break in let me let you go for your second book, when can people start ordering that? Oh, it's available now. You can go to goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com or search Good Gun Bad Guy on Amazon, and um, I think everybody's going to really like it. So, All right, fantastic. So thank you. Hey, next time you're in the so area, let me you. know, and uh, we'll get you on. I definitely will. Jan Morgan have been Jan Morgan and I have been talking about some stuff, so it's going to happen at some point. Okay. Yay. We'll see you in the near future. Bye. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you later. Bye, Dave and Shelley. Thank All you. Right. Bye. Bye-bye now. All right. Fresh vegetables and fruits right off the farm. That's Holland Bottom Farms. Choose from a great selection of watermelons, okra, tomatoes, cantaloupes, jalapeno pepper. I had jalapeno peppers today for lunch. Sweet lunchbox peppers, red, yellow, orange, and green bell peppers, cayenne peppers, and yellow squash. Holland Bottom Farms has delicious peaches, blackberries, and uh, Robin Hood honey. 
taken from hives right located on the farm, which means for you who like to try to build up your uh, immune system, can build up your immune system by eating uh, the honey that the bees used of uh, the flowers in our area. Eat healthy with Holland Bottom Farms and Cabot right off Highway 321, open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. until 6 p.m., now closed on Sunday. All right, back with you. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, uh, let me remind you about uh, the different clinical research studies that are going on on over at Applied Research. Uh, They have the one on atopic dermatitis. Uh, Moderate participants have to be 18 years or older, clinically diagnosed with uh, moderate eczema, uh, and they will, uh, you know, talk with you, go over some questions with you, and if you, uh, you know, pass the test, you get into the study. They also have a study going on about testosterone. Uh, if you're a 45 to 80 year old male with low testosterone, if you're uh, at risk for cardiovascular disease or events, you may be eligible to participate in a clinical trial studying the effects of an investigative testosterone replacement drug. And finally, one last one, overactive bladder. A lot of ladies suffer from this. Uh, You have to be 18 to 80 years old, have at least a six-month history of overactive bladder. Uh, The symptoms including urgency, incontinence, and frequency. Here's what all you have to do. You call the folks over at Applied Research, 501-954-7822, 501-954-7822, or go online to arcarkansas.com. And on their website, you'll find all of the different studies they're doing. You can look at the parameters of the studies. You can see if you meet uh, the requirements of the studies. And then you can uh, put yourself up for the study uh, over the Internet as well. <coughs> That's Applied Research. You're over on Rodney Perham Drive, 501-954-7822. All right, so we're going to move away some from the wonderful world of guns. Uh, there are other things that have been happening in the world uh, over the last uh, 24 hours. I've got some great audio that you're just going to love, uh, Shelly. You're going to love this stuff. It's All good right. stuff. The way I, I, I usually do do this stuff. You know, the Democrats have been dragging their feet about Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court of nominee. Course. They they have asked for a million pages of uh, material that Kavanaugh has been uh, tied to that he's written things, and they want to see all of it. The, the Republicans now have told them they're full of it. In fact, right. Senator Orrin Hatch, you're going to love this. I, I thought this was so great. He he was using one of my one of my favorite words, Russ. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. Uh, here's what he had to say about their resistance to Kavanaugh. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh, if you want a choir boy uh, to be on the court. Uh, in other words, from a reputation standpoint, he's it. He's a very fine person. Uh, he's uh, lived a very fine life. He's got all the legal credentials you'd ever want in a Supreme Court justice. He's uh, not offended anybody as far as I can see. 
it's just amazing to me that they make such a, a farce out of this. And that's something we've gotten used to and we're going to have to put up with. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, Judge Kavanaugh is going to sit on the United States Supreme Court when we're through. And I would hope that uh, our colleagues on the other side, those who are currently opposed, without having even heard him, uh, I'm hopeful that they'll be fair. And if they will be, in the end, they'll all vote for Judge Kavanaugh and uh, vote for him to be a member of the Supreme Court. My colleagues understand this. I think my colleagues on both sides of the floor understand this. And uh, this is a man who's been very well examined uh, for these positions. He's already sitting on the second most powerful court in the land. Hang on here. And, uh, and if anybody deserves to be on the Supreme Court, uh, Brett Kavanaugh certainly does. And I just want to compliment Senator Grassley and the other members of this committee for being as strongly behind him as, uh, as they are. And I want to really compliment the Democrats uh, who have stood up and are willing to stand up for Judge Kavanaugh because they realize that uh, we can't keep going down this partisan, picky, stupid, dumbass role that, uh, that has happened around here for so long. I'm sick and tired of it, to be honest with you. I'm tired of the partisanship, and uh, <laughs> frankly, uh, we didn't treat them, uh, their, their uh, candidates uh, for these positions, uh, the way they're treating ours. <laughs> oh, my God. I heard him say that, and I thought I was going to fall out Flipping of my chair at great. house. When did he say that? Just yesterday. Yesterday. Pretty, pretty good stuff. All right, we've got news coming your way. Had to put a smile on your face before the news. Let's get to that, <sighs> then we'll come back, and Shelley and I will finish things up for today. All right, so uh, looking at President Trump's approval ratings uh, from today, uh, being coming out from Zogby uh, polling, here's what they have for us now. i got to get over to it again. Where was it? And you got to hear part, part of this. There's some interesting things about that that's really important for you to hear. Right now, his, uh, his polling numbers are higher uh, than uh, President Obama's was at this time in his first term. Mm-hmm. 3% higher. He is at 50% now with the American people. That's just hot, yeah. Just a, a, few, a week ago, he was at 47. It's yeah. gone up 3%. Do you know what's driven that? The wall, immigration. Yeah, it's immigration. Here's, and, and here, too, I think so, the Second Amendment. I think it all, I think all, both of those, but definitely immigration. That's what got him elected. Well, and what's interesting about it, it's Hispanics coming over to the president's side. Yes. You would think the way the Democrats are jumping up and down and, and complaining that that possibly couldn't be the case. Right. Be impossible with all the negativity they're hearing about the president and that uh, the Americans hear how the stories are being are being uh, presented. Bottom line is, is that Hispanic voters are liking what the uh what the, uh, the the president is doing. Yeah. They said they don't dislike him. They came here him. legally. They like him. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been very, very good, to say the least, uh, for the president. Uh, everybody says, well, what is he, why is he going out uh, everywhere to, to talk about all of this? And 
why is he running all of these big, um, you know, brouhaha's in Florida and Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and all that? Very simple. Get the media out from in front of him and his message so that he can deliver his message unencumbered. Exactly. I mean, that's what the, the Twitter thing is all about. Oh, yeah. Although I disagree sometimes with the way he presents things, at least he can break through all of the noise that the media makes right. and get his... Uh, get, but now get James Acosta on CNN is making it all about him and CNN, and now he's he and he's going to take a stand to make sure he's at all the events and he's getting booed, and it's just, oh, my God, yeah, what's America coming to, to? Because they're yelling fake news, and he's just a poor victim, and oh, my God. Well, you know what? He likes it because he's trying to... To get a get a bigger salary, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it's all it's, about. He's getting attention. ratings is the name of, of the, the game. game. For, it's a business for all of them. Yes, and so they have no problem getting in front of people and and letting people abuse them some. And and to, to be honest with you, I wouldn't yell at them like that. I would just let them be there and uh, let them do their thing. That's, yeah, I think that's the best thing that you can do. Uh, in that situation and it takes away their pedestal mm-hmm. to get up on and but you preach. know now with the whole i mean i've watched oh gosh well i watched hannity last night relate and he was of course calling out acosta and all these different rally you know and him uh just talking about how horrible the trump fans were and this and that and then of course cnn that's all they were talking about um was how james acosta was being accosted or whatever and at this point and that's and you know on cnn last night for several hours off and on as i flip back and forth this is late the night because i didn't get off work till late um they were the story was cnn the story was the news was uh about the news i mean about them and i almost wish now that these trump supporters would just ignore them because they're giving them the ammunition to go on there and tout about how, you know, not just Trump, but all of his supporters are evil and they hate the media and they look at it, them as the enemy and blah, blah, blah. I would, they're giving him this guy stage. They're giving him a platform and he's getting away with it. I just wish sometimes we would just ignore these people because if they're not getting the attention, they'll go away. Well, and that's exactly what they want to do they're taking the narrative and changing it from what's going on uh, in the story to making themselves the story is yeah exactly the story the whole point that they're there they're not even covering that by the way dave i was going to ask you about this and uh, this blew me away last night this was on laura ingram's show and i had not heard this anywhere i don't know anybody that's heard this did you know that about the portland Oregon ice facility that where they are. Yeah, they went in and took they it were over under for siege, a while. And they were closed down for 10 days with people from Antifa. Antifa, Antifa however you say that, I can't yeah, ever say it right. The Nazis. Antifa, the real Nazis. You say, the, yes. And all these others. And that the, the mayor, of course, had told them, the police, to stand down. The ICE agents were terrified these people were going to start. I mean, this looked like something we saw in iraq or you know on the television where they're just storming through they even took the american flag down at the ice headquarters there and replaced it with the antifa flag yeah that's that is 
terrorism at its finest. Them harassing and scaring the and the police said we'll come when someone's life's in danger or someone gets hurt. I mean, you've got governments now at the local level that are uh, basically given orders. Uh, which happened also with that that where everybody was egged at that Trump rally in California back during the election or the campaign, and the police officers were all told not to do anything and by the mayor and the and the police chief, and so they let all these people get pelted with the eggs. They let all these people get throat punched and dragged on the ground, and they didn't do anything. They're being sued, by the way. Good. It's the way it should happen. Yes. The, should. Yes. All right. So we were into a break, and Shelley asked me if I saw Jan Morgan uh, taking on uh, a guy who had been in Vegas during the shooting. Yes. A few months back. And he, I didn't see it, but I've got the audio for it. It's cut number four there, uh, Rush. This is Brian Claypool battling Jan Morgan on 3D printed guns. And all you have to do is listen to what Claypool says to understand it's not about fact, it's all about emotion. It was an 11th hour decision, but a federal judge has blocked the online posting of blueprints that allow people to make these 3D guns. But this legal fight is not over. And joining me now is Brian Claypool. He's a survivor of the Las Vegas massacre. And Jan Morgan, a Second Amendment advocate and a certified firearms instructor. Thanks to both of you for being here. Brian, um, look, the Las Vegas massacre was very recent. Obviously, there are still so many physical and emotional wounds from that. What did you think when you heard that it was possible to use your 3D printer and create an untraceable, unregistered gun? Utter shock. I was in despair. I, 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 was, I was grieving again. I was re-victimized and re-traumatized. I spoke to your, your colleague, Chris Cuomo, shortly after the shooting in Vegas, and I told him, I said, during that shooting, the first round of shots, pop, 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 I thought I was dead. Second round of shots, I said, if I survive, I'm going to fight and make sure this never happens again. Now, instead of just fighting to eliminate assault weapons, now I have to fight on behalf of people across the country, victims of gun violence, people who care about public safety. I now have to fight to stop a company from pr- providing a blueprint to any lunatic on this planet uh, to, to go out and kill people. It's a license to kill, and it's a recipe for mass carnage. Jan, explain from your perspective how this makes sense. How does it make sense to allow people a homemade gun they can make in the privacy of their own home that is untraceable and that you can bring that passes through a medical a metal detector into stadiums onto planes etc okay well first of all whether it makes sense or not and how we feel about it and brian i'm sorry about what you had had to go through truly i am but uh, feelings and 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 whether or not it's fair is not the same thing as a right. Rights are, are different from government issue privileges. And this is more than just a Second Amendment. This is a First Amendment right issue. This guy was going to publish the blueprints. And if we're going to start censoring uh, any kind of information out there on the Internet that might do irreparable harm, then we're going to have to take off all the websites that are out there that teach you how to uh, make explosive devices and bombs, uh, websites that are doing irreparable harm, such as pornography, uh, websites that teach people how to poison other people. I mean, there's a, there's a wealth of, of information out there that is very dangerous on the internet so this is a first amendment issue yeah. on the issue of of the uh, the firearms we already allison and brian 
It is already against federal law to manufacture a firearm that is undetectable. But sure, where the confusion but, but, lies but, is whether or not it's traceable. Yeah. There are but listen, but here's, can, I just want to stop you, you for a second. You made guns. a lot of points, Jen. Hold on one second. I mean, the, making it easier, okay? So making it easier to have one of these guns. You say it's illegal, but the blueprints were online. A thousand people downloaded them. So there you go. Actually, it's not easier, Allison. It's not easier. Making it easier to it's get not access easier. to In the fact, making No. A thousand no. people no, downloaded it. No, I could go, had I could go to a ago. hardware store and get the pieces, the parts that I need to make a shotgun. I could do that. Uh, you don't have to have. In fact, the printable, 3D printable uh, firearms are much more complicated to make than just building your own. And it is not illegal in America to manufacture your own firearm out of metals in your home and not have it registered. Okay. Okay? Let me get Brian There's, so Brian, It is illegal okay, so to make on, one Jen, undetectable by metal detectors. Got it. Brian, when you hear her talk about that, that this is a right, yeah. that this is a First Amendment right, what's your response? That's the problem with our society. First of all, the First Amendment doesn't give you the right to break <laughs> the law. The federal law currently says that you can't make plastic guns without serial numbers. So, so, the, so you're not protected by the First Amendment. That's the first thing. The second thing is, instead of President Trump calling the NRA, wrong, the guess what? Give me a call and give victims across this country a phone call who have dodged bullets from assault weapons and find out how they feel about it before you propagate this recipe for mass disaster. Do you know that on their website they have what's called a VZ-58, Allison? Do you know what that is? It's a 17-inch long gun, 7 pounds. It, 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 it's it's going to carry out... Mass killing. That's what they're giving the blueprint to? That, that, that's one of the blueprints. And do you know on top of that that these bullets that are in these weapons are made to, to destroy your body? When they enter your body, they destroy you. So yeah. that this is not acceptable <laughs> in a civilized society. Yeah. And it's not funny. It's yeah. not funny. You you go. No, no you what go, is what so is you funny? Go, you what is funny, Brian? Yes, it is because no, all bullets are made no, to destroy your body. Your, no, no. What's funny let me tell is you who's behind your, bullets. Your thousands and thousands chair. of United States veterans oh, have have gone into the line of fire to defend liberty, to defend the Bill of Rights. It is not about liberty. It is a Bill of Rights, Brian. And our feelings do not. Your feelings are not relevant when it comes to rights. Jen, listen. Okay, so let's. So I hear. I hear what you're saying. You're saying that you don't want to deal with feelings for policy. Okay. How about the fact that we do have a mass shooting problem in this country? How will Not this policy rise? Here, here, here's, here's the answer, Allison. If you really want, if, if Brian and the Democrats really want to address the issue it's of not mass a democratic shooting, issue. they need to talk about the one thing that no one, that no one wants to talk about, which is the number of mass shootings that involve psychotropic drugs. Stephen Paddock, the very guy. Yeah, who's I know that that's where you guys always go, but I want to stay focused on the, the homemade guns. Because I know that truth. you want to talk about the Why, drugs. It's not just but, us guys. But, it's not okay. just the NRA. It's not Jen, just hold on. Let me pose my question to you because it is connected to mental health. Big Pharma does not want to discuss it. Jen, Big Pharma doesn't Jen want how does to it help it to have somebody mentally ill be able to print it. their own gun, make their own gun off a 3D printer at home? Stephen Paddock obtained his firearm legally. This wasn't I'm a, just a curious. This is just my question. Gun. Just answer this criminals, question. No, how does it help to be able to have a mentally ill person uh, create their own gun at home? 
Mentally ill people can create their own guns regardless of the law. Criminals and thugs but how is and it terrorists better to make don't it abide by the law. So no a laws, Allison, I'm sorry that you can't get this, but no law is going to stop a criminal yeah, or a I guess that we just don't believe that laws from, are completely killing mass numbers of I mean, people. I think that people just don't believe that laws, laws have not been effective never stop anything. Look at I Chicago. Think that we do think that Chicago laws has crime. more gun control laws. We already have over 20,000 gun control laws in America, Allison, it, they, and they, they don't are. address the problem. But how about this? You think the laws don't matter? Paris, gotcha. France. Paris, France. Fair Can enough. I please speak? Paris, France is a gun-free utopia. How many people died in that mass shooting? Because terrorists and bad guys and crazy people will always have access to guns. And the maybe they can print them now. The best way to stop mass shootings in their own to, den. The best way um, to stop. Hold on, Jen. The best way to stop mass shootings is to legally arm law-abiding citizens. Got it. Your point. Your last point, Brian. And my last point is, you you are bypassing background checks. You are bypassing mental health background checks. You are bypassing certain numbers on the guns, and, and, and this is going to allow any lunatic on the planet to go in his or her own home and make a gun and carry out another mass shooting. And, and if this happens again, Jan, you know what? You're going to have blood on your hands, and this government's going to have blood on its hands. All right, Gus, on that note, I know it's very heated. I I've know that there's a lot of blood on my hands. Right. Because right. I've been talking about people and caring all the time way only. before these shootings happened. So I got blood on my hands. The guy's so full of He's bull. He's so full of it. Oh, my God. Like, I literally wanted to puke when I watched <laughs> that. I mean, and get, I'm get like for Jan. Dan Morgan. I'm like Jan. I was laughing. I was at laughing some of the, the things bullet that he thing. said. I'm sorry when he said, "Did you know I will have a you know bullet will destroy this, your body? These plastic guns have a bullet that are made to destroy you. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> also destroys deer. I right? like eating deer meat. That's good stuff. It's a bullet. Your dad likes to eat deer meat. My dad loves He's deer meat. He's probably the number one consumer. Of yes, in the state and get of ready. Arkansas. It's that time of year where they're fixing to start planting their <laughs> well, plots. Yeah, and... well, he'll be disappearing for months. Yes. All right, so let's take go a break. Got to take a break. Come back. We'll finish it up today. I just listen to anti-gunners, and they make no sense. He always, everything he had was about emotion and the way that he said it. Oh, my God, did you know? Yeah, if you do use any smarts at all you know it okay we got more coming in a moment here on the dave ellswick show all right i wanted to play uh, one more piece of audio for you but before we get to that let me remind you that uh pi roofing is looking for people who want to make a career with their uh business if you're detail oriented you strive to do the right thing you can work with your hands you thrive outdoors and you need to join their team pi roofing Home Solutions is expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. You want to come build your future with them. PI Roofing Home Solution has career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division, residential uh, roofing and service div- uh, division, and home solutions division. So they're like uh, hiring everywhere. You can make a difference with pi roofing all you got to do is call them or uh, get on the line to them and you can climb your ladder to success that's piroofing.com or 501-707-3551 gentlemen on cnn listen to this about 3d guns and what it's going to lead to 
Well, this is wrong on so many levels. So first, there is a law that prohibits the possession of undetectable firearms, so these plastic firearms. So as you noted, Chris, in your earlier discussion, by definition, anyone who is downloading these instructions and actually making these guns is going to be an illegal gun owner of, the, of said gun. Um, the First Amendment argument I don't think really goes anywhere. There are public safety exceptions. In 1997, after the Timothy McVeigh uh, bombing, Senator Feinstein uh, passed an amendment making it illegal to post bomb-making instructions. So there are public, accept, uh, public safety exceptions to this. But I think really the practical effect is every day when you get on an airplane, you now have to worry about someone who may be sneaking in a plastic gun and this is really just asking for potentially another 9-11. And I think that should be concerning to all of us. Oh, that's crazy stuff. Wow. All right. So, Shelley, with that, I'll let you pinificate on that until the next Thursday that you show up oh, here. Let's see here. That'll I hear fun. that Amazon has some hot pink straight jackets <laughs> online for sale and they'll be dazzling for an extra 10 bucks. There you go. Maybe yeah. we should get her one. Maybe so. Thanks a lot for being on today. I'll be back with you tomorrow. It's a Friday, fun Friday. Matt Smith will be here. Uh, Robert Steinbach will be here. Doc- Dr. Amy Beard will be here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.